Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek Berto. Well, your host. Thank you, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. I'm here mumbling my words, mumbling my words. How's it going, my brothers and my sisters? We are going to have a great show for you today. One of the items that I'm going to cover today is actually going to be the, uh, the, the, the show that I did with Benjamin Dixon and, and uh, Rebecca Azer uh, yesterday. But beforehand, we've got a lot to talk about. Beforehand, we've got a lot to talk about. Mucho, 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 mucho. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. When I click like, it goes blue, then goes back to the way it was. I don't know what that means. Nanette Bird-Smith, how are you doing? How are you doing, Nanette Bird-Smith? Like the color of your shirt. You like the color? Purple rain, purple rain. Purple rain. Is it purple? I think it is purple. Anyhow, folks, uh, Julie Van Astel, welcome aboard. Bar Deborah Jean from LA, welcome aboard. And of course, Bruce Pollard, welcome aboard. Anita Yates, Putin made a big deal. I'll point that out. Let's see. UF, let's see. Uh, AVQ, Yvette Avery, how is my favorite union woman doing? Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard, Norman. Who else we got here before I get started? Okay, Michael Rudnin. As usual, Michael Rudnin has a lot of pros for me today. McConnell explains how he'll steal another Supreme Court pick from another Democratic president. The Republican signals that this party retakes the Senate if the party he'll block Biden's high court nominees in 2024 and every and very probably 2023. Let me first stop that. Everybody that's listening to me now, the first thing I want you to do, please share this program. I want people to hear what I'm going to say here, but please share this program. Um, we have a Republican Party, a failed party, that is continuously talking about winning Congress, that is continuously talking about winning the Senate. They have no policy to offer anybody. All they have are shenanigans to try to cook the vote. Then we have progressives and we have Democrats. We need to stop being concerned about, oh, what McConnell say he's going to do if he takes the Senate. Oh, what the Congress say they are going to do if they take the Senate. We are the ones with policies. Stop acting like losers. We are the winners. And not only that, we have less to protect on the Senate side in 2022. 2022 should be a year that we talk about expanding the lead in the Senate. Not Listen, what they want you to do, the way Republicans are talking as if they know they're winning 2022, in as much as they have nothing to offer, they're talking as if it is a, it is a standard poker face game. They have nothing. And they have a loser as a leader. They have somebody that very few people like. Yes, the country is not democratic in the way the Senate is set up. Yes, the country is not set up uh, democratically because of gerrymandering. But what it means, to, it means we got to get off our asses and work. It means we have to share these programs. It means we have to get people together and get them going. Not with a position of failure. I never work. We never should work. From a position of failure. We are currently winning. 
The people say they love the policies that we are about to provide to them. Republicans are blocking this policy with a somehow expectation that if these are the people that are blocking the denial of services to our brothers and sisters, that somehow our brothers and sisters are going to reward those who block. And they'll say, well, that's what experience teaches us. No, that's not what experience teaches us. Experience teaches us that if we don't lean into what people want, whether we get it at that part time or not, if we don't lean into the values and let people know we will continue to fight for you, they're stopping it, give me more of us so we can give you what you want. We need to stop cowering. It is mind-boggling that we can be right, that we can have the power of the people and be so damn scared. I am not scared at all. My expectation is that my brothers and sisters will be listening to the kinds of stuff that we talk about here. My expectation is that my brothers and sisters are going to share our stuff. My expectation is that my brothers and sisters are going to make sure that voices like mine are heard. Voices of encouragement, voices of empowerment, voices that say we not we are not going to ask them to do it. We are going to damn well do it. That's what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters. So let's, let's, let's do this. Every time you hear that negative thing, you empower that person to go out there and do more. You hear a negative comment, empower that person to go out there and do more. Continuing with Michael Rudnant. Ocasio-Cortez says, elephant in the room, is Senate Democrats blocking their own party agenda. True. I think one of the things that's really important to communicate in this isn't uh, just $1.7 trillion, Congresswoman Alexandria Cosia said. This is about an overall investment spread out everywhere between 8 and 10 years, which is a very, very low amount of money. Exactly right. Less than $100 billion or $100.5 billion or whatever. It's not going... It's not going to create the millions of union jobs that we need in the country, particularly to recover from the pandemic, and it's not going to get us closer to meeting our climate goals, which are crucially important at this point in time. Exactly. Exactly. I do think that we need to talk about the elephant in the room, said Alexandria Cortez, which is Ocasio-Cortez, which is Senate Democrats blocking crucial items in a democratic agenda for reasons that I don't think hold a lot of water. No, they hold a lot of water. Establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans, all of those in opposition to what is right for people, for what people want. It is because they're being paid by the corporatocracy. It is because they're being paid by the plutocracy. Make no bones about it. We need them now. But in 2022, our, our right is starting from now. We need to start getting our progressive candidates in line. It's not about sitting down and twiddling our fingers. I'm waiting for anybody to come and say, Egberto, uh, are you going to support me? Yes, I am. Or no, I'm not. Here in Harris County, we have a, a guy that's, that's vying for the uh, chairmanship of the, of the Democratic Party in Harris County. He asked for, for my support. Said, what do you intend to do? Are you going to be as progressive as I think you're going to be around? Yes, you are. You've got my vote. I will work for you. I will make sure that you make it. But we cannot play a loser's game. You know, Republicans are great at playing 
a winning game with a losing hand. And you know what Americans love? A strong person. You know, John Wayne was a piece of crap, but John Wayne came across like he's strong. Let's remember that, my brothers and sisters. Let's please remember that. Let's, por favor, por favor, tenemos que entender todo eso, porque si no lo entendemos, si fallamos, si, si vamos a perder. We will lose if we don't do that. All right, Michael Rudman, the filibuster is the ultimate excuse for Democrats. Exactly. The longer that Democrats fail to pass their legislative agenda, the worse their outcome will be in 2022. Nearly five months in the Biden's presidency, every little change Democrats are once again choosing not to use their power to remove the general bloc. And the reason why, they, don't, they want an excuse to not be progressive because of their corporate masters. Understand that. The Democrats that don't want to remove the filibuster, it has nothing to do. It's Look, the Senate is already anti-democratic. That California has the same amount of representatives as South Dakota, it means that it is already undemocratic. By then giving these little states even more power by requiring a supermajority to move legislation, it is even worse of a democracy. It doesn't take rocket science to understand that. And these guys that are leading our party are not dumb. They're very smart. They know it. But again, they're paid by the top, the plutocracy. What we ought to do now, again, I, I was on, on the Benjamin Dixon show yesterday, uh, like it or not. Uh, and what I said is, let's give Biden a couple more weeks. But then we go batshit crazy. And what do I mean by that? We start fielding our candidates, the progressive ones, and we go out there actively. And what I was also telling them is we need to get all these progressive networks away, the ones that are not affiliated with the mainstream media, so that we can be talking with one voice. And we have enough people to do this. We will. Michael Rodden, NSA uh, whistleblower reality winner released from prison. Sometimes you come across some good, purely good news. I would have thrown a hero's welcome parade, but that's just me. I know uh, you've been talking about her for a long time, senor. You've been talking about her for a long time. And last, Ria, let's see. Egberto, I just uh, want to repeat something from yesterday's show. It's worth a recap. U.S. household wealth in 2019 was $96 trillion. And in 2020, $130 trillion. Jeff Bezos' net worth was $177 billion 2019, $189 The U.S. federal budget this year is $4.9 trillion. If we tax the net increase in wealth at 10% at the end, uh, net wealth 2%, we would be collecting $6.2 trillion in taxes. We would have a $1.3 trillion surplus. Yes, that is what we said yesterday in the piece, and that is important, important, important and thank you so kindly for reiterating that, my brother. Thank you so kindly. Okay, continuing, Breeze. Let's see. I, I read that already. I read that already. Coming down, we have... When I click like... Oh, I, I read that already, too. Good day from Bruce. Eric Hayes, wear your, uh, wear your When Doves Fly shirt tomorrow. Ah, When Doves Fly. Oh, When Doves Fly. Ah, funny. Okay, uh, Sophia Williams. Good evening, everyone. Welcome, Sophia. Uh, para ver quién más está aquí. Doing what? Not doing any policy pushing. What was being done? I'm not sure what that says. Egberto, Republicans are good at bluffing. They have their culture war and their voter suppression and not much else. But midterm elections are when Democrats tend to let their guards down and not vote as much as during a presidential election, especially if they've gotten anything good in the previous years. Brother, Michael Rudnan. 
and everybody listening to my voice, please share these videos. And I cut some of them out where I think we have some important things to say. Well, we always have important things, but you know what I mean. But let's not let the past be the present and the future. All of us need to continue raising hell with everybody that we know and depend on geometric progression. If I tell 10 people and those people tell 10 and those people tell 10, we've, and then 10, we've gone past 100,000 people. Let's remember that. Sophia Williams says, good afternoon uh, to you, my baby, and Bridge MCP. Hi, Sophia. Uh, Eric Hayes, what people are you using polls? Why are in the real time, not poll time? Egberto, the policy will win or lose. Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying, Brother Hayes. Uh, say that, Brother from Williams. Uh, let's see. Michael Rennan, Eric Hayes, pick any issue based on your poll you want. You'll find that Republicans offer a policy position that, uh, that has a supermajority poll, that we offer one supermajority poll in. Exactly. Here, negative. Vote in droves. All right. Yes, we do, brother, because the Democrats are not out for our interest as black people. Uh, I'm, on a, I'm, on, I'm not even going to talk about black people. I'm a black person who understands the politics as well. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something, and I heard this from uh, 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 one of the black guys on, on uh, MSNBC. I don't remember his name right now. He advised Obama. He advised Clinton and all these others. All these policies for election 2022, from voter rights to all the others, we don't want to make it a black issue. We don't want it to make it a minority issue. We don't want to make it a brown people issue. We want to make it a freedom issue. We want to make it a voter rights issue for everybody because what the, who they're trying to lock out yeah, it, it is easy to lock out black and brown people because we know they mostly vote Democratic, but a lot of white people vote Democratic. And a lot of white people that vote Democratic or a lot of them are in the same socioeconomic status as a lot of the Latinos and, 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 and other minorities as well. So we have to make it existential for everybody uh, because unfortunately... What the Republicans are good at as well, and we don't have the time to do it in, in a year and a half, is they're good at pitting races, that stupid thing called race that doesn't really exist. They are willing to pit those things at each other, and by the time people recognize that they've been had, they've already voted incorrectly. So what we have to make this election of 2022 is existential for the individual person. Not existential for the individual black person. Not existential for the individual Latino person. Not existential for the individual Asian person. It is in, in, it's actually, uh, we have to make it existential for every American, race not included. That is what we have to do. And that's why you're not going to hear me talk about the voter rights thing in, in, in the form. Every now and then I may say, yeah, it, it discriminates against black people, Latinos, whatever. But it also discriminates against white people that live in the same kind of areas that, that, that a, a predominant portion of, let's say, black and Latinos live. So that's what we're talking about. Uh, let's see. Eric Hayes says, how beneficial is it for Russia to have a pipeline to feed Europe and have America blindly support it? and not support its own energy economy. Putin is winning this and wonder. Uh, it is, that is a, again, Eric, that is an uninformed, an uninformed statement. If you want to be informed on the statement, listen up. Okay? 
the pipeline through uh, that, that these guys are building from the north down to the south to the Gulf Coast, that does nothing for America at large. It does something for the few hundred jobs after the pipeline is completed. And all that money that gets exported goes to the pocketbook of the shareholders of the corporations that built the pipeline, that used the pipeline. And all of us pay the price of the pipeline that benefits a few rich stockholders and companies. You have to get you have to think deeper. You have to be deep because the way they scam us is they have us looking at things superficially. Is Biden a saint? Hell no. But Trump was evil. And Trump was even worse at, at div- divvying up the spoils. At least with the Biden crop, you get a few. And when we get our, progressive, our real progressives in stock, we'll get it what's deserving of us all. Deborah John, Egberto, the reason why the con Republicans are claiming they take away Congress, Senate, is because their voter suppression. We know that, but we can, we can suppress voter suppression. Hello now, corporate masters. You go, girl. Uh, Eric Hayes, Biden is being laughed at in Europe. Why? No. Actually, Donald Trump was the one that they laughed at in Europe, and we also have it on tape. They made fun of Donald Trump because they understood he was dumb and did not understand what he was talking about. And I'm not being rude. Donald Trump is genuinely dumb. It just shows that when you have a certain amount of privilege in this country, even a dumb person with privilege can succeed. Get my book. It's how to make America utopia. You'll see we're not a meritocracy. If we were a meritocracy, Donald Trump would live in a poor house. Okay? So, and no, Biden is not laughed at in Europe. Biden is revered in Europe. And the polls, again, tell you that. And you would know that if you refrain, and my friend, I say this with love, but if you refrain from the, 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 what I call the stupid maker news reel, the stupid maker news reel, Fox News, OAN, and remember, I've constantly showed you guys, if you want real information, OAN, false Right? Look at the screen. OAN, false information. Fox News, false information. Uh, Newsmax, false information. And of course, you come now to EgbertoWillies.com. Highly reliable. I didn't say it. They said it. So if you really want, if you're here every day, please, honestly, when we come here together, I have a lot of smart people that, that follow the right news in this room. A lot of us, we, we teach each other. We enlighten each other with true news. Sometimes we get it wrong and we exchange ideas, but we all work from the same point of faith, not faith, uh, fact-based info. Remember that. Okay, uh, Biden made a few gaps, but that's it. Uh, and the gaps are funny. He called 100, He says he's 120 days in his office. It's 144. But look, Biden is not a laughing stock. Let me tell you that. Biden is a very smart guy. He's a neoliberal. I don't particularly, I'm not fond of neoliberals, but he's a very smart guy. Okay? Uh, let's see. Michael Rudnan says 120 days. Give me a break. Need time. That, that's all. That's about it, right? Uh, same to you. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Eric Hayes replying to Bridge MCP. I see. Hey, my uh, cognitive behavioral issue. How can you get COVID mixed up as everyone? Uh, why not? I do it all the time. I do it all the time. All the time I make those mistakes. 
And I'm not as old as Biden. So am I going too early? Sophia says, how do we get all the progressives to have one voice? That is what I am trying to do. I was on the David Dix, uh, the, the uh, Ben Dixon show yesterday, and I talked about doing that. I'm going to try to get into to other people's faces and say, let's work together. Let's work together. And eventually we'll get there. We're going to have to get there. British MCP, there should be a million progressive people's march. Yes, there should be. Uh, Michael Rodnan says... Most of the issues we progressives care about are about elevating the poor out of poverty. True. Sophia says that would be a great thing. Bridge, uh, AVQ, let's, let's continue down. Good for them and benefits U.S. as export country and not relying on other countries against us. Ah, huh? why good for them? That is slave thinking, man. That is, a, that is, when I talk about having one's minds enslaved to believe it is okay for others to enrich themselves on our backs... And if someone goes for that, that is what I talk about in my book also where I say capitalism is, capital, the, the current capitalism is the best form of slavery. Because no longer did we have to put chains on black people or put chains or, or, force, uh, or, or force the Chinese or force, the, uh, or force the, the, the natives. No longer. All we need now is to have your mind. And you know what? When we have your mind, we have a bigger pool. Because when we had chains, the only ones we really, 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 really had in chains were uh, black people and a few others. But when we have your mind, it's like what the economists in, in, in uh, England said. We also now have white people as slaves. And it's now, as he said, the economist said, white is the new black. But I got in trouble saying that. Not with white people. I got in trouble with black people saying that because they're saying they didn't go through our pain. To which I say, brother... We all went through some sort of a pain. That is absolutely true. But right now what we damn well need are coalitions of all of us working together. Desert Chair, why the panic over critical race theory? I'm talking about that today, so I'm not going to go any further. Desert Clear, stay around. Stick around. We're going to talk about that. Um, the duck that quack, my, my methane bill is 67% delivery charges and only 32% product. The rich uh, leech off delivery. Yes, they do. Look at the internet as well, right? Uh, Peggy Lopez, ¿cómo estás, mi amiga mía? The trip I have. Uh, okay, GOP approval of the United States has rebounded under Biden, survey says. Yeah. Uh, the trip I have just returned from lets me know I will not march again after 60 plus years of marching. Maybe this is the reason I will take the wheelchair the doctor wants me to have. You get better, my friend. I'm good where I get my sources and will keep it up. So thanks and listen to you too, but thanks. Hey, that's fine. I mean, I can't look. I can't tell. I can take a horse to drink clean water or dirty water. And I can keep pointing the horse to the clean water. If after I leave, the horse decides to go and get the water with the maggots in it, I can't say anything. That's his choice, right? That's the horse's choice. Anyhow, uh, uh, we were talking earlier about um, uh, about Biden, right? And I said, and I told you that Biden uh, Biden is doing pretty well, I think, overseas. And what I want to show you is a little piece here. Uh, by Biden, and then uh, I wow, I didn't I didn't queue it up, so I got to queue it up as I'm speaking now, and, and and see how we knocked the Republicans appropriately. Check this out. Let's go for it. You know, there's a section of Biden's uh, press conference in at the NATO summit that I don't think got enough coverage, especially for what he said, the way he said it, and the implications of what he said. Anne Garen asked him a question 
about the NATO people believing that uh, when he goes and he said America is back and wanting the NATO folks to trust them, etc., trust America again, that somehow why should they do that when we have proven to have elected a Donald Trump? And given that Donald Trump still controls the Republican Party, again, is it not possible that they could lose America again? And he answers the question, I think, perfectly. But more importantly, he linked the survival or he linked the country coming back together with success in domestic policy. I don't know. If, I mean, take a listen to how he expressed this, and then we'll take it on the other side. Um, Ann Guerin, The Washington Post. Here at, at this meeting and earlier at the G7, you've said several times that America's back at allies' side. A lot of those allies are themselves pretty rattled by what happened on January 6th, an attempted uh, overturning of your election. Uh, and they may still be uh, alarmed by the continued hold that Donald Trump has over the Republican Party and the rise of nationalist figures like him around the world. What do you say to those allies? What have you been saying to them at, at these meetings about how the next president of the United States can keep any promises you make? What I'm saying is them to them is watch me. I mean, I'm not saying any of them, quite frankly. I'm just going out. People, as I've said before, don't doubt that I mean what I say. And they believe that I keep my commitments when I say it. I'm not making any promises to anyone that I don't believe are overwhelmingly likely to be kept. I think it's appropriate to say that um, the Republican Party is vastly diminished in numbers. The leadership of the Republican Party is fractured. And the Trump wing of the party is the bulk of the party, but it makes up a significant minority of the American people. It is a shock and surprise that what's happened in terms of the consequence of President Trump's phony populism has has happened. And it is disappointing that so many of my Republican colleagues in the Senate, who I know know better, have been reluctant to take on, for example, an, an investigation because they're worried about being primary. But at the end of the day, we've been through periods like this in American history before, where there has been this reluctance to take a chance on your reelection because of the nature of your party's politics at the moment. I think this is passing. I don't mean easily passing. That's why it's so important that I succeed in my agenda. The agenda, whether it's dealing with the vaccine, the economy, infrastructure, it's important that we demonstrate we can make progress and continue to make progress. And I think we're going to be able to do that. Now you hear that. What he is saying is we have to produce for the American people. If we produce for the American people, there would be no real risk of the re-engagement of Trump's false faux populism. The phony populism will stop working if we produce for the American people. And if the phony populism stops working, we don't get a Trump. If we don't get a Trump, we can re-engage internationally and people will trust us. Now, what that means 
from a neoliberal point of view, what that means from a capitalism point of view, etc., that's a different story. But the danger to our democracy isn't, uh, isn't the fights that we have to have with regards to how best to create an economic system. The fight that we have is to ensure we don't have the fascism that Donald Trump, the, autocrat, the autocratic type government that Donald Trump is attempting to institute like many other leaders on the right throughout the world. I think Biden is on to something. And if he really believes that, he has to produce for the American people. And what he has to produce for the American people are things that the middle class folks can see, the poor folks can see. Then just maybe he's going to fight harder for the progressive policies we're looking for than many progressives believe. Hey guys, sorry I can't bring you the Ben Dixon uh, video today because I'm looking at the Times and I'm in trouble. You guys had me talking a whole lot of time in the beginning. But then this is your show, so I have to do that. If you guys are talking to me, I've got to talk to you. So uh, we'll do Ben Dixon tomorrow instead. The ben Dixon, I appeared on the Ben Dixon show, so I'll, I'll play that tomorrow. Sorry about that, but I have another video to show you about Texas. But let's, and not only that, I want to talk about the, the uh, thing that um, Sophia was mentioning, which is the, the race theory, uh, critical race theory. I want to tell you how silly it is, but I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, anyhow, uh, we are past the halftime, so I need to go ahead and ask you guys, anybody who's on, uh, on YouTube, please go ahead and become a subscriber. Please go ahead and click that join button. I'll, I'll be frank with you. Uh, I need your subscriptions. We are running low on subscriptions. I need your subscriptions so that we can continue doing this more effectively. The truth of the matter is I need a hell of a lot more subscriptions so that I can get people to help me. The 16 hours a day, seven days a week. And, you know, we have people on here who's come to my place and see the amount of work that you do. I see Norman is online here. He sees the amount of work that we do out here. We just ask you if you are on YouTube right now. He's actually come to the studio several times. He's uh, recorded from the studio. Roberto Lewis has recorded from the studio as well. Bruce Pollard has recorded from the studio as well. And anybody who wants to come to the studio so we can do some stuff together... <coughs> If you're in, in, in spitting distance, just come on out here. Let me know you're coming and we can come. But anyhow, I need your support. So please go ahead and click that. Uh, please go ahead and click that, um, that uh, join button and, 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 and help us out here. If you, if you join right now, I'll put you up on the screen. Now, here's the deal. If you don't see the join button or if you are on Facebook or, or, or Twitch or any one of those places... You can still join us by going to politicsdoneright.com, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Again, you can go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. I just put that link in there. Uh, by the way, uh, if you want to get our mug, we also have a mug designed by Bridge MCP. I'm putting that on the screen right now. If you want to get that mug, you can pick that mug up right here. Uh, let me put that on the screen as well. You can pick up that mug at the link that I just placed there on the screen. Uh, likewise, if you want to support us via Patreon, like I said, I need a thousand patrons. The way I see it, a thousand patrons, a thousand, uh, a thousand YouTube subscribers, and the the st standard co uh, contributions that people give us. 
would allow us to hire part-time a couple of people to help out. And we need a lot of help in both promoting the show and doing a whole lot of other things. If you want to become a patron and we need more patrons, please go to politicsandright.com slash patron, politicsandright.com slash patron. Alternatively, if you want to give a contribution, you can provide us a contribution at politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. You want to get the stuff that we wear, the, the T-shirts, all the different kinds of T-shirts we have. You can either get it on the YouTube channel uh, by clicking on the rack with all the clothes that we have there and other things, uh, cups, etc., or you can just go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. All our books, you can get all our books in one place. We have it all laid out, both uh, the audio books. Thank you very much, uh, El Señor uh, Norman Reynolds, for being uh, the, the speaker on one, uh, for being the orator on one of our books. And thank you very much, uh, Bruce Pollard, for being the editor of our latest book, uh, How to Make America Utopia. So we have a lot of people that have really uh, made us what we are today. It's all about you. You've been, you've, you've actually given us what's needed to really do what we're doing out here. So please go ahead, uh, and it is uh, politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books. You can find all our books right there. Okay, before I get into the uh, critical race theory, I want to show you, uh, you know, how, what conservatives have done to Texas. Let's play this and then we'll take it on the other side. If there is one thing we know here in Texas, our governor, Greg Abbott, has his priorities right. You know, uh, you know what he wanted to do, right? He's, he feels we need to keep those people out of Texas. Those brown people need to keep out of Texas. All those folks coming from down south need to keep themselves out of Texas. Texas. So what does he think he's going to do? He's going to build a wall. Abbott wants to build a border wall. Where have we heard that before? God help us. It's a Republican primary season in Texas and this man wants to build a wall. But guess what? Where is Where are his priorities? Check this out. ERCOT, the, the Electricity Reliable System tells us today you remember that freeze that you had? It got real cold and we couldn't power you. Our grid went down and over 700 Texans died. Well, now guess what? In Texas, it's no longer the deep freeze. It's the deep heat. And people need their cooling. And guess what? The grid is falling apart again. And they're asking you, please turn your, your air conditioner up to 78. We can't cool all you folks. And by the way, for those of you who have pools, please turn those pumps off because the independent ERCOT, the independent Texas grid, you know we do things big in Texas. The independent Texas grid can no longer take care of you. So big Texas, energy capital of the world, we have all the oil you may need. We have all the gas you may need, but we somehow can't turn any of those fossil fuels and the heat of Texas and the wind into electricity. We just can't do it. But we want to build a wall. Look, if we ain't got any electricity, we don't need a wall. Nobody's coming here if we can't keep them cool or keep them warm. You know, we are now the laughing stock of the rest of the country. And guess who did a great job showing that, uh, oh, Texas is a... What a funny place. 
Listen to what Brian Williams had to say. Allow us to introduce you to the state of Texas. And while I know you know Texas, the kind of rootin' tootin' Texas, the everything's bigger in Texas, the don't mess with Texas, the voter suppression is bigger in Texas, you know that Texas. But lately, and under their Trumper governor, Greg Abbott, Texas is way more like a contestant on The Bachelorette. Sensitive, putting itself out there, being all vulnerable. First, there was the winter storm. A new investigation by BuzzFeed showed the death toll from that storm revised up at around 700 souls. The entire Texas power grid failed. Ted Cruz flew the coop for Cancun until he was reminded he represented Texas in the Senate. There's trouble in Texas once again. Texans are being warned right there in big oil country, the energy cradle of America, that they must cut back on electricity this week or the lights are going to go out again. By the way, the utility provider there is called ERCOT and to prove that Texans have a sense of humor, ERCOT stands for the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. But because the electricity is not reliable in Texas, people there are being told to set thermostats to 78, turn off lights and pool pumps, God forbid, because of the power plants that are offline and the grid that remains endangered. And then just tonight, enter Blair Erskine. She's a writer and a comedian who, usually within hours of a major news story, especially there, if there are officials to be parodied, she is up with a new video, and then tonight she did not disappoint. Blair Erskine, fake spokesperson for the Texas Power Grid. That's right, and thank you so much for having me. Um, You know, we got a tight, hot little grid out there, and we got to take care of it, or it's going bust, okay? We can't um, we can't be having that. That'll be a mess. So um, we're just asking the people of Texas to make small sacrifices, just little sacrifices, no blood or anything like that. Um, you know, there's that old saying, you can't have the rainbow without the rain, right? Well, you can't have light without and, until we until we figure out what's going on out there, okay? Because Texas is set up on a power grid, and what a power grid um, does, what a power grid is, is um, it, well, it's something different to everybody, and that's what you got to understand. I mean, would you rather have AC or would you rather have AOC? And think about that for um, a little bit, and it'll start to make sense. Um, so really all we're asking the people of Texas to do is to unplug, <laughs> just unplug, just relax. You know, everybody's got to unplug sometimes. And if you don't unplug, um, God's going to find a way to make you unplug. And, um, you know, in this, in this scenario, <laughs> um, we are God. Sadly, a ton of people tonight thought that was real. If this wasn't so serious, it would be funny. I mean, Look, this isn't a problem just in Texas. This is a problem in every single state where the new Republican Party, the one that is based on ignorance, the one that is based on no science, the one that is based on keeping their, their pew dumb, the one that is based on lying to their people. This is what's happening throughout the state. What I don't get is what is their second move? Because after you govern based on lies, after you govern based on stupidity, after you govern where people's, where people's assets are ultimately declining, except for the plutocracy, that is, where do you go from there? You just go to the next lie? You just go to the next step? Look, folks. Um, this is this is not really meant to be funny. 
this is actually pretty damn serious. Uh, the Republican Party has become a further clear and present danger to everybody, Republicans included. And that is what I try to talk to my Republican friends about. This is not about my Republican friends. This is about having to change culture. Stay a Republican. Be a Republican. Be a proud Republican. But in being a proud Republican requires you to be a responsible Republican. And right now you are being led by... Not, they're not idiots. They're not fools. They're not stupid. You're, these, are not, these are people that understand <coughs> that making you stupid is, is actually profitable. That is why we have QAnon. That is why we have the conspiracy theories. We keep you dumb. And if we can do that, you're not dumb. None of you are dumb. None of you are. But if we can use those particular psychological tweaks to let the part of you that don't do logical thinking emerge, we can profit from it. And that's why they say critical race theory. And then they go ahead and say, please give us some money so we can fight critical race theory in humble Texas. Hey, give us some money so that we can fight in, in Florida. We can fight critical, critical uh, race theory. Here's a blog that I, I, I copied, not wrote. I copied from the Daily Coast. It's, here's what attacks on critical race theory are defending. History from a slaveholder's point of view. I'm gonna, I want to point things out first. And I, I want to give you exactly what they're doing, okay? But I'm going to read a piece of the article. I wrote, at the top of the article I wrote, this story is unbelievable. I have stated for a long time that Republican leadership are great at projecting. In other words, all the things that they accuse you of is what they really are about, including critical race theory, in this case in reverse. They are hyped up about critical race theory. Of course, it is them who are trying to change history. They claim Critical race theory is trying to give a flavor of history that isn't real. They're trying to make white people feel guilty. I don't want not one white brother or sister feeling guilty. I'm going to tell you straight up. You know when you are to feel guilty? If you don't do what's right. If you don't realize that all God's creatures are created equal. If you don't believe that we all have fundamentally the same rights to everything. If you don't believe that we have the capacity, the capability... To be just as good as anybody else, whether white, blue, black, or whatever. If you can't grasp that, then you should feel guilty. Because at that point, you're mentally deprived. Right? And that's why I tell everybody that I get in touch with, that I speak to. Race is an idiotic thing that is made to separate so that we do not look at the ball. We look at each other as being the problem instead of a plutocracy that's really screwing us all. And critical race theory in, in, in my book, in this book, I just read part, I'm doing, I'm, I'm turning this one into a audio book myself. Uh, this time I didn't want to ask Norman to do another one. Norman worked so hard on the last book. So, um, I, and I was reading a chapter that, that talked about um, what capitalism needs. Because of the failure of the economic system, it needs us to have our eyes on the other ball. It needs us to be able to blame someone else for our problems. And that is what we do. So anyhow, this is how the, the, the piece starts. This is written by my good friend 
at uh, Daily Coast. Um, shoot, what, what, why, why am I going to say it? it's written by my good friend? And now I can't remember her name. Anyhow, Clarks, Clarkson. Anyway, uh, here's how it starts. Republican efforts to demonize any teaching about race or racism in the U.S. history picked up yet another perfect defining moment recently when a grassroots parent group was outed as a Republican AstroTurf effort. It wasn't from the regular average American citizen. It was from an AstroTurf. Prep school accountability claimed to be a group of parents concerned about the kids' education at New York private schools, but it turns out that notorious anti-union and pro-corporate AstroTurfer Rick Berman's lobbying firm was involved in campaign to keep education racist. That news followed other key revelations about the Republican fight against the teaching of critical race theory. Anything about racism, such as TV host Mark Lamont Hill revealing that some of the enthusiastic backers of that effort don't even know what critical race theory means, or former Love Connection host and current right-wing broadcaster Chuck Worley suggesting that it's too bad Hitler didn't nip the original critical theory school in the bud. What would these warriors against what, or rather, what would these warriors against what they characterize as indoctrination prefer to see in schools? We know, thanks to the valuable work of the Roots Michael Harriet, that many of the congressional opponents of the 1619 projects, a target frequently lumped up with critical race theory, learned whitewashed versions of U.S. history, in some cases from textbooks influenced by the United Dane, the Daughters of the Confederacy. But that kind of history education has not been left in the past. I don't want to read the whole thing, but what I wanted to uh, show you is, uh, th read this piece here. One of the Louisiana's two approved uh, history textbooks for eighth graders is literally teaching the Civil War uh, from the perspective of the slaveholders. Our cause is just. This is what they say. Our cause is just and must prevail. The slaveholder in question wrote in her diary, but according to the textbook, she faced a justified fear that their slaves would abandon the plantation, and she and her mother became refugees after being forced to go to the Texas following 120 slave enslaved people they had first sent there. After the war, though, they still had a huge plantation. They had lost all their property in slaves and had to face the reality of planting and harvesting their fields with freed people who Kate regretted now demanded wages. Huh? I mean, this is what they're teaching. I mean, there is another friend of mine at Daily Coast that actually uh, pointed out more succinctly, and I want to see if I can get to, to Daily Coast right now. I hope he's still on the wrecked list because... His piece was, um, uh, let's see, the Texas Power Plants, GOP admits that's not it, that's not it. I really want to show you uh, what he had to say uh, because the way he expressed it was much better than any one of us here, or that I could say actually. But I want to put it out there. Let's see if I have it here. Uh, can I just, let's see that, that, oh, I'm still on the reckless. Let's see, Democrats, let's see there, uh, para ver, para ver. It's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that one. It is by um, Chris. Chris. Anyhow, the idea was that they, th th what they're teaching the 8th graders is that these nice people after the Civil War, this man had 120 uh, slaves, and they were all so sad because what was going to happen now 
is that they're going to have to pay prevailing wages to get their uh, to get uh, to get their field harvested. I want you guys to think about that. I really want you to think about that. We are now talking about uh, them complaining about, and this is what they're learning. They're learning that, hey, uh, Martha Benton, welcome aboard. They're learning that there there is an issue with actually having to having to pay these people that were once slaves. Can you believe that? Uh, let's see, can I just, let's see, I, I think I found, let's see, Nuts and Bolts, Kathleen, Mayor, Eon, well, that's not it, but I really want to get to Christopher Reeves' piece because it was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece. Let's see, the sad, st- okay, here we go. Here's a piece, I have it on the screen now. Christopher, uh, Christopher Reeves, a good friend of mine at Daily Coast as well, he wrote, the sad story of, uh, the sad story of Southern slave owners as told in eighth grade history books. In Louisiana. And here it goes. Gather around, children. I want to tell you a tale. A story of a nation divided. A story about a war of values in the United States. A war where people were held in bondage, had suffered brutal consequences and degraded. They were unsure of the outcome of the war and afraid for their lives. Their families separated. They faced oppression. This is the story of white southern families facing a war of northern aggression. Welcome to 8th grade textbooks in Louisiana. And the story of poor Kate Stone, daughter of a family that once owned 150 slaves, but now would be deprived of family wealth the moment these slaves would be free. And then here's what uh, Joshua Benton put out there uh, as a tweet. I guess his kid or something, he couldn't take it. It says... There are two approved Louisiana uh, history books for 8th grade. And I'm putting that on the screen for you guys to see now. I hope you can see it. Come on, get on the screen. Get on the screen. There we go. And here's what it says. Uh, Kate Stone was 20 years old and a member of a wealthy planter's family. When the Civil War began, after Kate's father died, her mother Amanda oversaw the family's business affair. In 1860, the Stones moved to a cotton plantation near the Mississippi River in East Carroll Parish. With more than 1,000 acres and 150 slaves, the family's future seemed secure. However, in 1861, after Louisiana's secession from the United States in January and the beginning of the Civil War in April, the lives of everyone on the Stone Plantation changed. Secession in the withdrawal of a state from the Union Kate kept a diary and wrote, eventually all five of Kate's brothers served in the war. Uh, that's not the particular one that I want to show you, but it, it, the, the thing is how they characterize. In her diary, Kate expressed her firm Confederate patriotism, insisting, Our cause is just and must prevail, but even for a patriot, the war's hardship become difficult to take. Union forces arrived on the family's plantation in 1862. With them came a justified fear that their slaves would abandon the plantation for the freedom they believed the Union army would provide. In an attempt to limit their losses, Amanda sent... 120 of her slaves to Texas in 1863. She and Kate were forced to follow the slaves to Texas later the same year. In the family's absence, a few remaining slaves took over the plantation and moved into the family's home, dividing the rooms uh, and the stones remaining personal. I mean, I want you guys to, to picture how they are romanticizing the slaves. We had to send them to Texas. This is how... Uh, that they're learning this stuff. They're not learning slavery as the evil that it was 
in uh in inside of uh in Louisiana. But let me tell you the danger of that, right? The danger of teaching it that way, and you know, we talk about oh critical race theory. They're wanting to teach this kind of crap to their students. Because if you believe that black people, slaves, are less than, then all the crap that is occurring to slaves to, to black people right now, all the crap that are occurring to indigenous people right now, you can you can stomach it because somehow it is deserving. It is not anything that is all that wrong. Right? It's just the way things are. I've I am a landowner. I have my slaves. They're supposed to work. And now you're supposed to feel sorry for me as a white landowner with slaves that somehow I got to pay somebody to pick my cotton, that I got to pay somebody to pick my cucumbers. That is what they're learning. And they're learning to change the wiring in their minds to believe that black people for leaving slavery did something wrong, that the people up north for freeing slaves did something wrong. So when you go ahead now and want your, your Confederate flag and you want all these things, to you it's normal, it's natural. And the reason they don't want critical race theory taught is it also shows you systemic how systemic racism works. It also shows you how evil slavery is. And it means all those white kids that are learning in Louisiana, if they started to learn the truth, they would start saying, God, we are all equal. We should be singing Kumbaya. We should be fighting the plutocracy that is dividing us to screw us all. That is their fear. Their fear is they cannot allow white people to learn the truth. That is the entire issue. Because, like I said, there's no human, there's no black people White people, I mean, there's no race, okay? I'm, I want, for all my black people there that see me black and all that sort of stuff, and they're, they're, they're saying, what do you mean there's not race? There is no race. Color is one attribute. Big nose is another attribute. Thin lips is an attribute. Straight nose is an attribute. These are attributes that are commingled in every race. Some, some areas have a preponderance of certain attributes, Race is used to divide and make sure that the people can't unite together to fight against an oppressor. And white people, listen to me, my white brothers and sisters. Your oppressors are those same guys on top too. They give you, they give you the semblance of prosperity by telling you at least you're not black. At least you're not indigenous. At least you're not Latino. At least you're not Caribbean. So you have something, and, and every human being likes to believe they are a cut above. Everybody wants to believe, I got it, I'm a little cut above. And because they play on that trait in humanity, that is how they win. Now you start getting everybody educated. White people get educated, black people get educated, Latinos, everybody. In other words, Christopher Columbus didn't discover no damn America. How the hell can you discover something where a whole bunch of people are there already? Vasco Nunez de Balboa didn't discover the damn Pacific Ocean. And what we, when you are educated, you can actually see 
all our humanity. And that's what they fear. That is what they fear. For you to recognize that we all are humans and that we all want to fight. We all want to fight that which hurts us all. I want you to take that down, folks. I really want you to take that down. And share. Please share. My white brothers and sisters especially, well, I want everybody to share. But my white brothers and sisters, I hope you're listening to what I'm saying. And I hope you're understanding what I'm saying here. And if you want some clarification, by the way, Every Wednesday, our, our, our subscribers or member, I mean, every, every first Saturday of the month, we're going to have a, I hope you guys come. I'm going to try it for the first time on this Saturday or, or the next first Saturday of the month to have an open house for everybody to come and sit on Saturday and ask Egberto anything. And individually, you can always talk to me as well. Info at politicsdoneright.com. Info at politicsdoneright.com. I'm not going to have enough time to go through all the stuff that you guys have written down, but I promise you I'm going to read them before I close the window. I got to get out of here, but please support the program. Please go to, uh, click that join button. I need your support so badly to make sure we can continue this stuff going. So please click that join button, become a member today. You can also become a member by joining our patron, politicsandright.com slash patron, politicsandright.com slash patron. Please give us that support. You can support us as well, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Or if you want to join our YouTube PDR Posse, Join politicsandright.com slash YouTube, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, and to get our books. And I need you to get the books. All of that help us. A penny here, a penny there, help what we're doing and making sure we can continue doing what we do. Right.com slash books. Mi nombre es Egberto Willis. Esto es Politics Done Right. ¿Y sabe cómo termino esto? I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.